Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our service this morning. We're going to start um, our service by singing Sovereign. So let's stand and sing together. With me in the calm, with me. 
Good morning. morning. Welcome to church this morning. If you would like to read with me the scripture that is in your bulletin, it is from Psalm 105, verses 1 and 2. And let's read together. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Speak of all his wonders. Psalm 105, verse 1 and 2. If you'd like to bow with me, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the rain and how it is rejuvenating things and things are growing. They're green and they're lush and that's exciting for us in our area. We also thank you that we can gather together. Most importantly, that we can worship you. We'd ask that you would guide us in our worship of you, that it would be pleasing. We thank you that we can hear from your word. We pray that you continue to guide Pastor Glenn as he preaches and you speak to us through your word this morning. We also thank you that we can worship you in song and that we can fellowship with one another. And we praise you, Father, for those things and just pray that they would be pleasing to you this morning. And we give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen. This time we're going to have our scripture reading by Jade Bedford. Okay, so I'm going to be reading from Psalms 46, 1 through 11, so the entire chapter. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble, so we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam, let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city, it cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes war to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I'll be honored by every nation. I'll be honored throughout the kingdom. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. as we look into this into this psalm. Lord God, it is with humbleness that we want to just uh, come before you and open ourselves to you and allow you to take your word and speak to us. You are our God, and we want to just open ourselves to hear from you and to allow you to speak to us and feed us and guide us. So Lord, help us to see the truths in this particular psalm that you want us to understand. And... Uh, Lord, that you would be the one speaking to us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, 
During the uh, dark days of World War II, uh, a devout Frenchman in the underground telegraphed this message to supporters in England, and the message is simply a message of encouragement. It just said, God reigns. But the message was garbled in transit, and it came out, God resigns. <laughs> and the English wired back, regret, decision, British policy remains the same. <laughs> And I think that illustrates how many people in our world view God. They kind of acknowledge that there is a God. They would like God to be on their side, and kind of help them out in their plans and their endeavors in life. But if God were totally removed from their thoughts or from the equation, it really wouldn't make any difference to them. God, if he is there, is pretty much irrelevant in their thinking. But one of the fundamental truths that is taught in the word of God is that God is sovereign. God reigns over all. He is a control over all. We are not. No person or king or government is. God is. We in our limited human thinking and reasoning, we don't see that many times. It doesn't feel to us like God is in control or that he is reigning. Uh, kind of like this story illustrates, uh, the only survivor of a shipwreck washed up on a small uninhabited island and he cried to God to save him and every day he scanned the horizon for help and none seemed to be coming and exhausted he eventually managed to build a rough little hut and put his few possessions that he had saved from the shipwreck in, in the hut. But then one day after hunting for food, he arrived back to his little hut, and it was in flames. Smoke billowing and rolling up into the sky, and it was just devastated, burned right to the ground, devastated. The worst thing that had happened, that could have happened, had happened. He was stung with grief. Early the next day, though, a, a ship drew near the island, and he had rescued him. And once aboard, he asked the crew, he said, how did you know I was here? And they replied, well, we saw your smoke signal. <laughs> God is sovereign. And although we can't see it at the time, it may well be by God's sovereignty that our present difficulty may well be instrumental to our future good and our future well-being. We finished our series through 1 Thessalonians last Sunday. And our next sermon series will be 2 Thessalonians. But I don't think we're going to start that series until fall. Uh, my vacation time and your vacation time uh, just makes everything way too sporadic to really get into a sermon series that we can do with any continuity. So we'll hold off on that till fall. Uh, so instead I would like to use these Sundays to focus on reminding us of who God is and what that means in our daily lives, and just make them about developing a deeper relationship with God and understand what that looks like as we live our daily lives. So today I want to look at the subject of the sovereignty of God, and we'll do that by looking at Psalm 46, which uh, Jay just read for us. This psalm is attributed to the sons of Korah. They were the ones that wrote it, sons of Korah, along with, there's 11 psalms in our Bibles that uh, are attributed to the sons of Korah. 
these were the descendants. Remember back in the day of Moses, Korah? He was the one that led a rebellion against, against Moses in the wilderness. Uh, and they were, a lot of them were uh, put to death by the Lord because of that. They were Levites. They were from the tribe of Levi, descendants of Levi. Uh, not the priestly line of the Levites, but they had some job of serving in the temple. Later on, uh, God gave them that job, the descendants of this Korah. Some suggest that they were temple singers or formed the choir. But anyway, they were in charge of, of that kind of worship at the temple during David's time. So that's the sons of Korah. And they're the ones that wrote Psalm 46. What the occasion was that inspired this psalm, we're not sure. We're not told what the background of this particular psalm is. Uh, a lot of the Bible commentators that I read seem to feel that it was... The invasion, the background for the psalm, the invasion by Sennacherib, he was the king of Assyria during the time of King Hezekiah, uh, who was reigning in Judah. Uh, it does seem to fit. Um, that story is in 2 Kings chapter 18 to 19. If you want to read it at some point, not now, but uh, look at that story. Uh, Assyria was a world power. They were conquering everybody around. They had conquered a bunch of other nations. They were, in fact, had just finished conquering Israel, northern kingdom, uh, those ten tribes, they were known as Israel. Uh, they had just conquered them, and now they were marching on Jerusalem and setting up a siege against Jerusalem. Uh, that was in King Hezekiah's time. And uh, Sennacherib sent his messenger saying uh, uh, <coughs> to the people and to the King Hezekiah, don't, don't think that your God is going to save you. The gods of all these other nations, did they save them? No, it's actually God's will that, that I come and, and take over, and you should uh, just submit to me and surrender to me right now. And uh, in fact, he wrote a letter to Hezekiah, and Hezekiah spread the letter out before God and said, God, what are we going to do with this? And he prayed to God for help. Uh, so that's that story in Second Kings. And some feel that might be the background for Psalm 46. We don't know that, but that's what a lot of people feel. It was a time then when Jerusalem was miraculously spared by God. God answered Hezekiah's prayer. God sent Isaiah the prophet to tell him that uh, no, King Sennacherib is not going to do this. I'm, gonna, I'm going to send him back home and he will die there. And uh, so later on, 185,000 of the Assyrian army were miraculously found dead in the morning. <laughs> and uh, there was a news of an invasion in a, of Assyria way back, back home. So <laughs> Sennacherib had to go back home to deal with that issue. And then while he was back home, he was assassinated by uh, somebody in his army. So that's how God dealt with the Assyrians in that, that occasion. So that may be the background for Psalm 46. Um, we're not sure about that, but that may be. But what this psalm does teach us is some important things about the fundamental truth of the sovereignty of God. And it's applied here to the nation Israel, but the Holy Spirit placed it in our Bibles for each one of us. So there is an application to be made here to your personal life and to mine. So let's look into it. As Christians, we need to recognize God's sovereignty in our lives. And we can by studying the aspects of what God's sovereignty means in our lives. Four things I want to look at. Number one, God's sovereignty in our lives means that he is our refuge and strength. And we don't have to fear. He's our refuge and strength. We don't have to fear. Many years ago I heard kind of an amusing story that has stuck with me. 
not only because it's funny, but because it illustrates how we as humans think. A man was up on a steep roof, steep roof shingling. He was near the peak of the roof, uh, taking off the old shingles. And he should have had a rope or something to hang on to, but he thought the grips on his running shoes would be sufficient, so he didn't have anything. But suddenly his feet slipped out from underneath him, and he began to slide. And as I said, it was a steep roof and a fairly high building. And as he was sliding, he was filled with fear, and he cried out, Lord, save me. And just before he fell off the roof, his pants caught on a nail and stopped his slide. <laughs> and so, breathing a big sigh of relief, he said, Ah, it's okay, Lord, no need to bother. A nail saved me. <laughs> Let's read those verses. Psalm 46, verses 1 to 3. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear. Though the earth should change. And the, though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam. Though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. The truth that struck the psalmist as he's writing this. Or the sons of Korah as they're writing this. Was that God in his sovereignty is a place of refuge and strength. If that story in 2 Kings that I referred to is the background, the Israelites had just had a major military scare. They were in grave danger of falling to the enemy. But they stood their ground and King Hezekiah took the matter to God in prayer and received an answer from God through the prophet Isaiah. And the psalmist recognized that God was the one who came to their aid and to their rescue. God was the one that kept them safe. And realizing that, the psalmist realized this truth. This aspect of God's sovereignty. God is our refuge and strength. He is a very present help in time of trouble. And if that is true, then we don't have to fear. Even though the earth should go through major upheaval and the mountains slip into the sea, even though the waters roar and foam, that's quite a picture, isn't it? <laughs> Think of the scenes you've seen on the news or over the years of major floods in parts of the world, well, even including Canada. You see pictures of rivers overflowing their banks and, and uh, water going roaring and foaming down the streets of the cities carrying vehicles with it, and sometimes even undercutting the foundation of a house and taking the house down with it. Floodwaters can, like that, they can do incredible damage. Tremendous damage. You can't stop a floodwater. <laughs> it can change the landscape of the earth. It's enough to make your knees go weak just watching it. Even though the mountains shake at the swelling force of the water, the idea here is that even if all of this happens, and in fact, no matter what happens, we don't have to fear. Because God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. A refuge, that's a place of shelter. In fact, that's what the original Hebrew word means. It just simply means shelter. God is our shelter. When trouble comes, we have a safe shelter in God, a place where we are protected from the storms of life. Kind of like you're being caught out 
in a severe thunderstorm with heavy rain and hail coming down, and then you find a, a dry cave where you're safe, and you can kind of there go there, shelter up there in that cave until the storm passes. That's a shelter. That's what God is for us in the storms of life. And he is also our strength, it says. We need strength to cope with the storms of life. And God is that for us. He gives us the strength we need to cope with what comes up. I'm not sure what kind of storms of life you are facing today, if any. Uh, but God's sovereignty in your life means that God is our refuge and strength and we don't have anything to fear. Awful things can happen, and they probably will. <laughs> Awful storms can come into a person's life. But no matter what happens, you have a safe refuge, you have a shelter in your God because he is sovereign. You have all the strength you need in your God, and as you look at it in that way, you have nothing to fear. So let that truth sink in. Because God is sovereign, he's our refuge and strength, and we have nothing to fear. Secondly, God's sovereignty in our lives means that God will protect his own. Look at here, verses 4 through 7. Because God of God's sovereignty in our lives means that God will protect his own. Let's read. Verses 4 through 7. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. What the psalmist is talking about here is the city of Jerusalem. This was not only the capital city of Israel, or of Judah at this point, but it was the place where the temple was. And in that temple was the Ark of the Covenant, the place of God's symbolic presence among his people. So in a sense, the Jews considered Jerusalem to be the center of God's presence in among his people. Because that's where the temple was, that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. God lived in the Ark of the Covenant. That was the mindset of the Jews, and, and that's kind of the way God, God set it up that way. The river mentioned here, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The river mentioned is a river that brings blessing, both physical and spiritual. Now, you think out of it physically, uh, having a river in a city is a great advantage, especially when the city is under siege. It's a great advantage to have a river running through the city. And this verse also has some prophetic elements. Because the new Jerusalem, as it talks about in the scriptures, the new Jerusalem will have the river of life beginning at the throne of God and then running from there through the city. And then out to bring life to all. At any rate, the psalmist realized that Jerusalem was safe. Because God was in the midst of her. And even though the nations made an uproar, and there were nations that tottered, like I said, if that story in 2 Kings is the background, yeah, there were nations falling to Assyria left, right, and center as Assyria was just marching on everybody and becoming the world power at that time and had just taken their kinsmen, <laughs> the northern ten tribes who had rebelled and formed their own nation. They had just been conquered. 
The nations tottered. But Jerusalem was not moved. Because Jerusalem was God's dwelling place and God won't allow it to fall as long as he's there. Now we know that later on Jerusalem did fall. But that was after the presence of God had left the temple and the city because of the sinfulness of the people. The book of Ezekiel has that has that story where Ezekiel had that vision of the Shekinah glory, the glory of God leaving the temple and then hovering up and then leaving the whole city. That was kind of symbolic. God was showing Ezekiel through that vision that he was no longer among his people. People had rebelled against him. They had sinned against him. They had cast him off. They don't want anything to do with him. God's glory had left the city. And after that, yeah, Jerusalem did fall. But while God was there, Jerusalem was safe. And that's what the psalmist is saying here. God is in the midst of her. She's not going to fall. Because God protects his own. God protects his interests. I remember, it's going to be quite a few years now, but back to the first Gulf War. Um, and I don't want to get political here, but I remember the argument going around, the United States didn't have any right to intervene in that situation. I remember that argument being made. It was none of their business. The argument the United States gave for getting involved, among other things, was that they had interests there in Kuwait, and they had a right to protect their interests. They had heavily invested in that country. And they had the right to protect those investments. And, you know, they're right. And in the same way, God will protect his interests. He will protect to, and move to protect his investments. Jerusalem was safe because it was the location of the temple of God. And God had invested in that city and he was living there, in that city, in there. That was his dwelling place. And God will protect his own. So the psalmist is realizing God is there. The city is safe. And so now for us today, we know from 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 that now since the coming of Christ and his work on the cross, dying for our sins and rising from the dead, that when someone places their faith in Christ and invites him into their lives, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 tells us that our bodies are now the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Because God when we accept Christ as Savior, He comes in and dwells us. He lives in us. We're His temple. God moves in and dwells us. So applying that then, we know that if we are indwelt by God, and God has a vested interest in us because He invested heavily in us, He has taken up residence in us, He protects His interests. Friends, God's sovereignty in our lives means that God will protect His own. If you are a Christian, God will protect you. He will keep you. Outside forces may make an uproar, but God is in the midst of you, and you will not be moved. Let's read verse 5 that way. God is in the midst of, of you. You will not be moved. God will help you when the morning dawns. 
So no matter what happens around you, you are safe because God protects his own. And you are God's own if you are a true Christian. Thirdly, God's sovereignty in our lives means that we should view things with the right perspective. We should view things with the right perspective. Verses 8 and 9. And the psalmist came to a realization that he shares with us here. Verses 8 and 9. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Of course, likely the psalmist is talking here about some major attack or threat that they as a nation had faced and God had brought them through it. But he came to the conclusion that it was all the work of God. God brought the desolation. God made the wars to cease. He destroys the weapons of the enemy. It was all the Lord's doing. All of it. And I'm convinced, friends, that if we could learn to view our lives as in the perfect control of our sovereign God, and that it is all his doing, things would be much easier. Things are not out of his control. Things are not going contrary to his design. Or to his ultimate plan. And when the storms of life hit you, when things completely fall apart around you, and they probably will at some point in life, or perhaps more than once, when that happens, it does not ever catch God by surprise. When that happens, God doesn't clap his hand to his mouth and say, whoa, sure wasn't expecting that one. Now what do we do? That, that never happens, friends. That never happens. Things are never out of God's plan for the child of God. The circumstances that you are facing now are not without God's design. It was part of his plan from long ago that it would happen this way. It's the work of the Lord. Come, behold the works of the Lord. Can we understand that? I think we would do well, to all do well, to take time to do some meditating on that truth. And let it sink into the thought processes of our brains till we get to the point where this becomes our default view of life. Because God is sovereign in our lives, that means we should view things with the right perspective. He is in total control. Always has been, always will be. Fourthly and finally, God's sovereignty in our lives means we should cease striving and allow God to work. God's sovereignty in our lives means we should cease striving and allow God to work. I guess we come here to the main point of the sermon. The main point of what this is all about. So don't fall asleep on me now. <laughs> this is the main thing. Let's read those last two verses. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Cease striving and know that I am God. The King James Version says, Be still and know that I am God. The Hebrew word there means literally to slacken. To slacken. 
to back off. <laughs> Be still. Let go. Slacken off. What it is saying here is to stop fighting and scratching and scheming to make things work out the way you want it to on your own strength. No, stop that. Cease striving. Be still. Slacken off. As if God is just saying to us gently, friend, just sit down and be quiet. And allow me to work it out. And friend, as we do that, as we sit down and be quiet, and quit all of our fighting and scratching and scheming to make things work out, he will. <laughs> he will work it out. And he will do it in such a way as that you will be amazed at how smooth it goes. And he will be exalted because all involved will recognize it as the work of the Lord. It wasn't anything else. It was the work of the Lord. Friends, can we take this instruction from our God to be still, to cease striving? I, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. And we may even come to the place where maybe we outwardly we are calm, but in our minds we are fighting just as hard as ever, trying to come up with plans and schemes to make things work out the way we want them to work out. It seems to be where our mind is constantly at. And the lesson and the challenge for us here is to stop doing that. Be still. Back off. Sit down and be quiet. Let go of it. Let God work it out. I know that's hard. I, at least it is for me. Um, and I was thinking in a few weeks, vacation time is going to be upon us. Many of us will be taking some vacation time to get away. You know, vacation time is a great time to practice this. You're away from the grind, you're away from the issues at work, or perhaps with some people that are causing you grief, you're away from them for a period of time. It's a great time to retool our thinking and wrap our minds around this. Cease striving and know that God is God. He is sovereign in your life. He is in control. Stop fighting and let him work it out. Can we do that? So therefore, we see this morning some aspects of what God's sovereignty in our lives means. It means, number one, he's our refuge and strength. We don't have to fear, no matter what happens. It means, number two, he'll protect his own. He has vested interest in us as his children, as Christians. And he'll protect his interests. Number three, we should view things with the right perspective. It's the work of the Lord. It's all the work of the Lord. And number four, we should cease striving and allow God to work. Sit down, be quiet, back off. Let God work it out. As I said before, I don't know what kind of a storm you're facing today, if any. Yeah. Maybe your mountain is sliding into the sea, figuratively speaking. But remember that God is sovereign and what that means. Take some time to meditate, to come to grips with these truths. Be still, stop fighting, and let these principles permeate your mind and soul. I don't know about you, but I needed this sermon this week. 
and hopefully that's something for you as well. Let's take our time of silence and just listen to what God may say, be saying to you personally in your own life this morning. Music team, please.
singing. Thank you that you are sovereign, that you are our God, that you will protect us, that you will keep us. And that things work together for good to those who love God. And even when everything seems wrong and we can't see how anything good can come out of it, you are sovereign and you can make good come out of it. And you do. And we've all given testimony 
or can give testimony where times in our lives where that has happened. So Lord, thank you for your word to us this morning. And I pray that I and each one of us would take it to heart and live it out. And live in those promises. Because you are sovereign, Lord God, we can bring our request to you as you asked us to. You've told us to make our request known unto you. That's what we're doing here this morning. Knowing that our sovereign God, you will take care of things. And we want to praise you, Lord, so much for the things that you do. For the way you work things out and, and, and the people you put into our lives. Lord, as Joyce shared, uh, the music team. Bonnie and Curtis and Shauna and how they've been so faithful and blessing us every Sunday morning with, with music that just points us to you. Thank you for them and for the decorating. Thank you, Lord, for people willing to use their gifts and abilities to be a blessing to others. Pray your special hand of blessing on them. I want to pray for, or praise you as well for church family as Chris shared, Lord, as when we are going through the struggles and the dark times and the valleys in life, Lord, so many times our church family is something that we can lean on and that will help us carry through. Thank you for church family and how we can support each other. Lord, I want to think of those burdens that are on our hearts and minds this morning. We think of Rocky Underhill and her, his wife Lynn. As uh, Rocky continues to battle cancer, I just pray, Lord, that you would give them a great deal of wisdom to know what the future holds. There's a two-year thing, possibly, of chemo. There's this other treatment that they may be candidates for, but that's a trip to Ontario. So, so much to navigate for that family. Lord, I, I really pray you grant them your wisdom. Help them, Lord, as they meet with doctors and oncologists and specialists, Lord, that you would guide them as well. Help them, Lord, to just be able to weed it all through and, and figure out what is the best thing to do. Give them your wisdom. But Lord, more than anything, we pray that somehow through these trials that you put into this family's life, through these trials, that they would look to you and reach out to you. And may there be people in, our, in their lives that could just share the gospel with them and share the truth with them. And they'd be drawn to you and give their lives to you. Lord, you pray for Penny's Uncle Gerald, uh, diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Just have your hand on him uh, and uh, help him, Lord, to know how to live with this condition and uh, how to mitigate the symptoms and be with the doctors, give them wisdom, Lord, to treat. To uh, Lord, We would pray for healing. We would just ask that you would touch his body and bring healing to him. That's, that's our request to you, that you would see fit to do that. So, Lord, have your hand on him, we pray. And then for Penny herself, with these tests that are being done, showing some kind of heart issue and having to go see a cardiologist probably, Lord, I, I just pray you'd undertake for this as well and that uh, there'd be nothing serious wrong and that we reveal that there's nothing serious wrong, that you'd touch Penny's body with your healing and continue to give her strength to go on from day to day. Lord, I want to thank you for Myron and Ruth and uh, thank you, Lord, that they're part of our our, our, our family here this morning. Thank you, Lord, so much for them, the encouragement they've been to everybody. And, and Lord, especially the encouragement of his testimony this morning of how when he was facing a storm, him and his wife, Ruth, 20 years ago, this word 
that we heard here this morning spoke to him and encouraged him and lifted them up. Thanks for that testimony of the truth of your word. I praise you for that. And thank you, Lord, for how you have blessed Ruth and Myron over the years since then. And Lord, I want to praise you so much that Amber's grandma is out of the hospital. That's a long stint. And uh, we've been praying for her. And Lord, you've seen fit to allow her to come home from the hospital. What a great blessing that is. What a great answer to prayer. Just pray you continue with her healing process. And help her to grow in her strength. And Lord, that continue to speak to their hearts and draw them to you as well. I want to think of our church family, those who are not with us this morning, uh, wherever they may be. Lord, I pray you'd be close to them. I pray you'd speak to their hearts. I pray that you would uh, help them, Lord, just to come to a place of worship of you and a place where they could hear you speak to them and, and uh, just be close to them wherever they are today. Lord, for our brothers and sisters in the Lord and who are being persecuted in other countries and even though some of those being persecuted in our own country, uh, Lord, how I pray that you would Help them be strong in you. Help them, Lord, to gain their strength from you. To stay strong in spite of the persecutions and their very witness of standing strong in spite of the persecutions for their faith. And that would be a witness and that would touch people and draw people to you. So be close to them, we pray. Then you pray for our governments. Give them wisdom and guidance. It's a strange world they're living in. And, uh, Lord, we don't have a clue about all the forces that are going on behind the scenes, but... We uh, do know that uh, the devil is actively at work. We do know that. And we know that you have a plan that uh, that will happen. And uh, so, Lord, I pray you be with our government leaders. Help them, Lord, to have wisdom to navigate through this. Pray that you would bring good advice to them and they would listen to that advice from those who know you in our government circles. So we'll go before them, we pray. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be here and to be able to sing these songs together and being able to listen to your word together and now unite our hearts in prayer. May it all work together, Lord, to bring peace to our souls and encourage us to our hearts and strength and soul to pray the song of Jesus in that our offering box is just there on the on the little table on your way out if you've got an offering today put it there let's just pray for our offering if you'd like to bow with me dear god we thank you for your goodness once again to us we thank you that we've got a church family here in lashburn we thank you that we've got a pastor to preach and teach us your word we thank you that we've got this warm building and that's warm in the winter and it keeps us dry in the summer and gives us the space that we need and we praise and thank you for that and we just ask that you would bless the offering that we are giving today we thank you for this in jesus name amen if you um want to look real quick for your announcements ladies bible study continues on and go ahead
Tuesday here at the church, Miller Drama Team. Thanks, Joyce. Uh, a couple other announcements. This Friday at 7.30 is youth. It's going to be the last youth. Is there any kids that are here that are in grade 4? Any kids in grade 4? That's just, just a question. I'm just curious. Um, so our youth wind-up is going to be on uh, Friday at 7.30 here at the church. And also this coming Sunday, uh, the adult Sunday school and teen Bible class, that will be the last one for the summer as well. And um, church as at 11 is normal. And looking down the road, June 13th, or sorry, June 16th, uh, prayer meeting here at the church. Is there any other announcements this morning? Jeremy. I just want to announce that I hope to have uh, one more event, at least one more event event here for summer. Perfect. It's now time for Pastor Glenn's trivia. so we might have to go to my office. Anyway, kids, trivia time. Trivia quiz time. So get your quiz paper to an adult that you like <laughs> and that you think likes you. <laughs> For marking, can't mark your own paper. Give it to somebody else to mark. Another adult. Okay, here are the answers for you markers. Question number one, Sons of Korah. Question number two, Shelter. Question number three, I can't remember exactly how I put it when I was preaching, but uh, God was in the midst of it, or in the middle of, middle of it. That was God's dwelling place, so something along that line would be right. Uh, question number four, where does Jesus live now? The answer is in us as Christians. Number five, the answer is no. Number six, the answer is God. Number seven, there's three fill-in-the-blanks here. The words that go in those blanks are cease, striving, work. So the sentence would read, God's sovereignty in our lives means we should cease striving and allow God to work. So the three words you need are cease and striving and work. And then question number eight, uh, the answer is vacation time. Vacation time is what I said. So... Ten and under, if you got uh, four right, you get a prize. Uh, Eleven and older, if you got eight right, you get a prize. Let's close in prayer. Lord God, we are so thankful that we could be here today. And as we are dismissed now, and going to whatever our week has for us, we don't know exactly at this point what that may be, but you do, because you're sovereign. And so, Lord, help us to live this week in light of what you told us here this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.